The Axe of the Blood God. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey, and joining me today is US Gamer's... Uh, what's your official title again? Uh, I always go by staff writer, but I think it's supposed to be associate editor now. Our deep, dark secret at US Gamer is that we all made up our titles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but associate editor... Mike Williams. Yeah. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Uh, uh, it's been a while. When was the last time I was on here? Hmm. I don't know, actually. You were here talking about an RPG, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I was here talking about Call of Duty Advanced. No, I actually don't remember what I was talking about before. Uh, don't spur the trolls, Mike. Don't spur the trolls. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Honestly, don't remember, but it's in which case it's been way too long. And welcome back. Thank you, thank you very much. So, you've uh, we've officially hit review season. Um, we've got a ton on our plates. What are you What are you playing right now, Mike? Uh, right now, what am I playing? Uh, I'm. I, am I allowed to say what I'm playing? This this uh, for for folks who aren't us. Uh, a part of the weird thing about review season is some of the stuff is under embargo, uh, and embargoes differ. Sometimes we can say, yes, I am playing that game, and other mm. times we can't. So I'm trying to... Well, let me put it a different way. Uh, Mike is traditionally our guy who ends up playing like five different reviews at once and somehow finishing them all, because I don't know how you do it. Mike, how many reviews are you playing right now? Uh, I am playing four, 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 four games for review. I have no idea how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing Dragon Quest Heroes right now. That is the game that I am currently playing. And it's pretty fun, actually. I'm really enjoying it. Well, I mean, like, some of them are, are, are kind of small and, and, uh, like I have, uh, Dengeki Bunko Fighting Climax, which I know I can talk about because the embargo was earlier in the week. Um, so I was actually a little bit behind on that. I have uh, no idea what that is. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fighting game featuring uh, characters from various anime. Oh, cool. Uh, is it from Namco, Namco Bandai? Uh, I think it's from Sega, actually. That's actually surprising, uh, given that Bandai Namco usually has the, the monopoly on these kinds of games. Uh, yeah, because they had uh, J Stars, uh, uh, J All Stars versus or whatever it was called, uh, with all the Shonen Jump characters. But I, I never actually got around to playing that. Never did I, but I did play the Jump Ultimate Stars back in the day on the DS. Did you ever get around to playing that one? I, I did. I actually played uh, both uh, Jump Superstars and Jump Ultimate Stars. It was a good game, actually. It was 2D. Um, I think the thing that I liked the most about it was that you would take these little clippings of manga and you would put them together. Um, and the more powerful a character you had, the bigger the, um, the, the panel of the manga was. And you only had a certain amount of room to arrange them. So it was interesting trying to squeeze in the best possible lineup 
along with the different uh, power-ups and things that you could use for them. Yep. It, it was fun. It was a good game. No, that was a great game. But, uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm playing a fighting game, two RPGs, uh, and uh, sort of like a indie side-scrolling game. All right. Well, the RPG that I brought you on the show today to talk about is Disgaea 5, which came out earlier this week. You reviewed it last week. Mike, uh, you seemed pretty positive on it. You gave it a 4 out of 5. Uh, you seem pretty invested in the series. Um, I suppose before we get into Disgaea 5, what, what is your history with the series? Um, I've played Disgaea since the very first, the very first Disgaea, uh, way back in the day. Um, it's actually for, for, for fans of that specific type of, uh, tactical strategy or, uh, RPG, uh, pretty rare to, to find games that, that fit in that particular little niche. And Disgaea has, uh, for a couple of years now, been one of the few games uh, that you can get that covers that niche reliably. Um, I've written before over on, on USG about the fact that I'm a big fan of Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, but for the most part, that's... Like Disgaea has kept sort of that scene alive. Uh, certain other developers and publishers will jump in there occasionally, but Disgaea has been for quite a while the only game in town, and the only game in town built specifically for hardcore fans. And I ask, keeping the spirit of the PlayStation Two alive since the early two thousands, at least. Yeah, no, and it's it's. <laughs> Not to be too snarky or anything. Um, I just think that they go for a particular style of game that really had its heyday in the PlayStation 2, I would say. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other... Um, I mean, I played a couple other games, like, uh, say, Joan of Arc, or Jean d'Arc, or whatever. Joan d'Arc. Yeah, that one. I believe that um, was the official pronunciation from Level 5. Yeah, and uh, Stella Deus... Um, Stella Deus, uh, Luminous Arc. Yep, I remember Luminous Arc, although I didn't like Luminous Arc. Luminous Arc, which was kind of a, a knockoff of Tales mixed with a tactical RPG that's actually not that good. Yeah. Then there was the uh, Tactics Ogre remake. Mm. Yes, that um, was excellent. Various Final Fantasy Tactics uh, versions. Um, but yeah, I like even going through that list there's there's really not much out there if you are a tactics strategy fan uh because yeah that it pretty much died uh on the PS2 and has sort of survived on the PSP uh for a little bit um there was a game that came out a couple of years ago um from NIS and for whatever reason I'm forgetting what the the name of it was? Are you talking Phantom Brave? No, I'm not talking about Phantom Brave. Uh, I'm actually kind of going crazy trying to remember it now. Like, I'm going through their list of games, and I, I doubt that I'm going to be able to find it. But if I recall correctly, a the hero is a, a teenager or whatever, 
and he's in our modern world and he's dragged into kind of this uh, this alternate world with like by goddesses or angels or something to that effect oh uh what was that brendan brendan reviewed that uh, he loved it uh fate uh something something fate guided fate paradox that's it that was a good game I actually never got a chance to play it because uh, Brennan was the one review- who reviewed it. And then uh, uh, since then, I've been on reviews. So. It's characterized as a roguelike RPG, but I don't recall it actually being a roguelike. <laughs> it felt like a tactical RPG to me. I, I suppose roguelikes have a lot in common with tactical RPGs, but I, I don't know. It was a good game, like, and it, it had a lot in common with the Disgaea games. Yeah, I mean, that's because it, the NIS, to their uh, benefit or detriment, uh, actually, if you look at sales of Disguise 5 in Japan, probably to their detriment, uh, pretty much stick within a specific niche. Hmm. Uh, and I'd say it probably hasn't worked out for them. Hopefully, uh, Disguise 5 sales in the U.S. Uh, allow them to keep going. Uh, but I think they're probably going to have to change tactics at some point. Yeah, to what? <laughs> Making first-person shooters? <laughs> I mean, they've made their bed. That's kind of their niche, right? Yeah, yeah, the the, the hand-drawn tactics. I just, it's... Uh, I think Disguise 5 was on the, the, the media create charts for three weeks, and I think for those three weeks it wasn't even... It wasn't even all that high. So, oh. uh, what surprises me is that they haven't moved to mobile. Like, I mean, they've certainly made handheld games um, for both the PSP and the Vita. I can't think of many DS or 3DS games off the top of my head. Uh, I'm I'm, su- I'm surprised and actually pretty gratified that they have continued to make games for. In this case, the PlayStation 4, which is surprising given the PlayStation 4's status in Japan. Um, you would have thought that they would have moved over to like mobile development a long time ago and kind of gone to the dark side. And that's part of their, their uh, continued aiming at a hardcore audience. They, they're, it's like, we're here for you guys. We're going to keep making this style of game, and we're going to keep making it for home consoles when really... Uh, folks, if you wonder why some of your favorite Japanese developers are making mobile games or even 3DS titles, uh, this is why. Because uh, it's just, especially uh, domestically in Japan, sometimes just not worth it um, to make a game for the current generation home console. So. Sadly, this is the case. But... Yeah. We do have Disgaea 5, and so I have played Disgaea in the past. Um, I think I, I knew a lot of people who were big fans of the series when I was in college in particular, and I I think it was my a friend of mine who said that he burned out two PlayStation 2s playing through Disgaea, the original Disgaea, because it was one of those games that you could really just keep going on forever, right? You, like you can continue grinding for as long as you possibly wanted, and that's what he was doing. There are people 
who before, in fact, one of our, our, our commenters, regular commenters, said in my Disgaea 5 review that he had put 50 hours into the demo uh, on its own. And the demo isn't that long. The demo is only probably, I'd say, four to five hours worth of content. Uh, but uh, NIS let the save, the, your demo save, carry over to the actual game. So uh, a lot of people were grinding within the demo to unlock different uh, subclasses and stuff, uh, different characters and stuff like that, and get everyone up to snuff so they could just jump right into the, the, the real game, so to speak. And <clears throat> this guy has always been in this odd spot where the game, the single-player story... It is like a almost like a huge tutorial for quote unquote the real game, which is the insane grinding you can do later on to build up this huge monster army to take into like item world or or things like that. So what is uh, item world? Can you like explain that to our audience? <laughs> item world is <laughs> you can. Uh, let's say if you have a sword or something, uh, the sword has, uh, in this game, they're called Innocence. Um, and you can jump into that sword, and the game creates a tiered dungeon within that sword. And the Innocence within each weapon or item or whatever... Uh, provide certain stats and you can unlock them if you reach their level of the dungeon and save them, kill them, it depends on the game, um, subdue them, and then you can move them to another item. So this is all, again, a, a big part of the grinding. So you're, you're taking your squad in, you're doing this dungeon inside of a sword so that you can get this thing that will raise your strength uh, just a little bit more, raise your damage or raise your XP gain so that you can move that to the weapon that you actually care about. All right. So as long as we're like doing definitions here, um, I'm just going to go into review and I'm going to like throw <laughs> out several of these terms because Disgaea is really in love with its like arcane terminology. All right. So First one, geopanel system. Explain for our audience. All right. So when when you're in combat, there are different colored panels uh, on on the world, and some of these colored panels will occasionally have geo blocks on them, and geo blocks create different effects, such as uh, increased damage, increased XP, uh, lower damage. Some of these effects can help you. Some of these effects can help your enemies. Some of the effects can hurt both of you. Uh, so part of the thing you can do is pick up geo blocks and put them on a different colored panel to help yourself or alternatively destroy them, thus destroying all of the colored panels that that block is on. The Dark Assembly. <laughs> so, okay. The Dark Assembly. I'm really pushing you here, Mike. Yes, no. The Dark Assembly is uh, like almost Congress. So there are certain <laughs> things that you can go in and you can ask these these demons or whatever for, like, hey, 
I want better stuff in the shop. Or, hey, I want the next time I go into a battle to get triple XP. So you go in and you say, hey, this is what I want, and then they vote. And each of the demons within the Dark Assembly either likes or dislikes you. Uh, so what you do is the ones that you like, you try to make sure that they're the strongest, and the ones that dislike you, you can give them items and stuff to make them like you more, and thus influence the vote. Or alternatively, uh, later on, you can just fight them. And if you win, then your vote, go, your vote goes through. This is nothing like Congress. Stuff actually gets done in this one. <laughs> gets done rather quickly. Boom! <laughs> um, how about the... Oh, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing this correctly. Evil lights? Evilities? Yeah, evilities. Uh, evilities. Just, yes. Got it. They're, they're just uh, uh, character abilities. Like unique character uh, or class abilities. Uh, you can also learn other ones, but they, they just provide unique extra benefits uh, above and beyond just whatever your stats give you. All right, last one. Magic change? <laughs> um, so monsters uh, in Disgaea cannot... Uh, they use uh, different sets of weapons and stuff. Uh, but monsters can also, uh, through magic change, turn into weapons that your more humanoid characters can wield. So you said in your review that you kind of feel like um, maybe these systems are a little bit too, I don't know, stacked or... Maybe too, a few too many systems in this in this game. Uh, system bloat, I guess you could say. And that you kind of wouldn't mind one of them, some of them being trimmed down. Um, is there, is there, are there any in particular that come to mind? It's less that I, I, <laughs> I, I, I personally mind them, or I think they should trim them down for me. And more that NIS has aimed for the hardcore and uh, it has not always helped them and Disguise has always been about system upon system upon system allowing you a great deal of customization in your squad if you're willing to put forth the effort but that also tends to turn off uh, say, an average player who just might vaguely be interested in the game, because if you look at a guide, if you even look at my review, there's just a ton of systems. And um, I think I was... I, I don't know if I said it in the review, but um, I pretty much... I, I was recording, so I watched all of the uh, tutorials, even though I didn't particularly need them. Um, the game is still doing tutorials... I think as far as chapter four in the story, which is probably 10 to 12 hours into the game. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, okay, that's amazing. So it, it's there's a lot there. And maybe it doesn't have to be Disgaea uh, that those changes are made to or something simpler or something easier. Uh, maybe they could do a different game with a similar aesthetic uh, aimed 
more at an average, more mainstream audience. Mm. I, I think that just NIS in this case is facing the problem that every hardcore game feels faces and that they've gotten, they've gotten to the point where they have a very strong core fan base who will support them through thick and thin and continue to play their game, continue to buy their game. Um, you don't want to piss off that base. You don't because all you'll, all they'll talk about is how much the game sucks. And then people who might otherwise have been curious about checking it out for the first time in ages will be turned off. Um, sports games have this problem quite a bit where developers frequently go to the hardest of the hardcore, the people who know every system inside and out. And, and they're trying to tune the game to make those people happy, but at the same time, keep it fun for the quote unquote casual demographic. It's a losing battle. It's like pick, pick your side, right? It's like, Pick who you want to focus on and just go with it. And in the case of Disgaea, uh, I think that I think that it's always going to be a a quote unquote hardcore RPG, a, a, a very hardcore RPG, just by uh, the subject matter and the complexity and the and the amount of grinding it lets you do. Um, having said that, it's very funny. <laughs> Uh, I've always enjoyed playing the Disgaea games uh, for their writing, which is not actually something that I can say for a ton of video games. And you said that this is a pretty strong cast in Disgaea 5, but maybe not as strong as the one in Disgaea 4? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that'll come down for the most part to preference. Um, but this is probably... It's a very good cast uh, that I'd say is probably let down more by the main character, uh, Kilio. I was about to say uh, Killua, who's a character from Hunter x Hunter, um, who's just sort of, who's very serious and very stoic. Um, and he doesn't quite jive with what I usually want from Disgaea. Uh, whereas Disgaea 4 had a great supporting cast, and the, the lead was Valva Torres, who was also quite goofy, but at times could be serious if the story called for it. Um, whereas Killy is, is 100% the straight man of the group, uh, who doesn't really say much, uh, very much like Disgaea 2's Adele. Uh, who was always also the straight man of his particular cast. How so, many printies are in there? I mean, there's some printies. <laughs> um, probably, uh, like, a Disgaea 4 also had uh, its printy girl, but uh, uh, the printy-ish replacement here is Usalia. Um who is a little girl with, with bunnies. So, um, yeah, she has a giant stuffed printy that she, she, she rides on. So it's very cute. Oh man. I want a giant stuffed printy. 
So yeah, in general, they go for. Uh, I don't want to care. A very Jap- a very anime style sense of humor, in uh, pretty zany. Uh, not exactly what you would call subtle, but it kind of makes up for it with like sheer chaos, right? Yeah, very very zany, very goofy. A lot of puns, um, hmm. and the characters uh, tend to be pretty broadly defined around a couple of traits. So uh, yeah, I mean it's very much a, a comedy anime kind of thing going on. Except when it needs to get serious. And when does it get serious? Uh, usually towards the, the, the latter part. Um, like, Lahal had a thing with his, his parents. Uh, Valva Torres had uh, someone that he lost. Uh, Kilia is in the same boat in that he lost someone that set him on his current path. So... Uh, there are serious parts, but that's not, I guess, really the focus of the game. Hmm. Yeah, no, it never really has been, has it? No. What would you say the focus of Disgaea is? Is it... Overall. I don't know. Yeah, I suppose when I think of Disgaea, I think of... Like, they go out of their way to make this... I don't want to call it in-depth, but detailed... Uh, kind of world like they they really want to just make it seem like there's it's like here are these demons and let's take it to its logical conclusion and like see how much stuff we can layer on top of it stuff like the dark assembly and meanwhile have some fun with traditional rpg tropes and that sort of thing is is that kind of fair to say uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it definitely is fair to say that's, that is the point. It's, it, here's the anime aesthetic, that uh, zany comedy uh, style of humor, but that's also backed up by very deep gameplay systems, which, as I said, allow a great deal of customization and choice in how you build your squad if you're willing to put forth the effort and that, but, but that effort is, I mean, that's a lot of effort. That's knowing that this system feeds into this system and you need to pull from here, uh, to work best in this sphere. And then, you know, it's, it's setting all of that stuff up. Talk to me a bit about your squad composition and like your character building. Like what, what were you going for? Like, what was your strategy? Um, I mean, generally the strategy is just to have uh, someone for every situation. Usually um, what you'll find is story characters can take over certain slots. Uh, like Kilia uh, works really, really well as a melee fighter, so I didn't as much need a melee fighter this time around. Um like melee fighters tend to either uh, counter a lot more than other uh, fighters. I'm using the wrong terminology here just because I'm talking about it in general, so please don't kill me to Sky fans. Um, but each character, like story character, can f- funnel into one of these different roles while also retaining abilities um, that put them above other characters. Um, 
like Red Magnus is uh, another fighter who uses weapons, uh, but his overload ability uh, makes him huge for three turns, uh, like tripling his damage and his HP, which is really useful, and you can't get that in a, a regular grunt character. Um, but otherwise, outside of them, I always make sure that I have a thief for stealing some, some great items. Um, one mage of every uh, element uh, that I swap in and out as need be. Um, probably an archer. Archer's always useful. Um, uh, for a while, actually, I used the... Um, new maid class uh, you start with one and I just like the character art um, that sort of zoned out look but the maid can also um, throw stuff without it counting as a turn if I remember evility correct so uh, she became pretty useful um, and that's really it's, it's like maximizing what you need uh, in each particular battle. Like sometimes you'll go in and you'll know exactly what you're going to do, but when you say doing the item world, uh, it's about having, like hedging your bets and having the maximum amount of abilities uh, in your squad of, and you can bring out at any time 10 characters. So, um, I think at the end my group was probably 25, 30, which is really on the low side. I'm, I'm, I know other people who have far more characters, but I, I can't keep track of many more than that. Uh, and every time I get to uh, a level, I would just say, okay, this is what I'm working with, because you can always take a look uh, at, at the enemies beforehand and all of their abilities, and I would just bring out what I need according to that that loadout. Well, when uh, not to take it, not taking shots at anybody, but when you do, when you spend sixty hours on a demo, it's not surprising that you might have a few more characters, <laughs> right? I mean, uh, and that's impressive. That's that's pretty amazing. But uh, I suppose this guy is one of those rabbit holes that you can just really go as deep as you want, like as deep or as shallow as you want. And some people go really deep indeed. Um, how far down the Disgaea rabbit hole have you gone, Mike? Uh, I'd say probably Disgaea 3 was the the maximum of my rabbit holeness. Um, like, as in spending more than 100 hours on the game, grinding and creating a squad. These days, I don't have that kind of time. Um, so it's pretty much get through the story, and then every now and then I'll jump back in, do a couple rounds. Like, I'm working towards a specific uh, ideal in the future, but getting there is going to take a very long time, and by that time, I'll the next Disgaea game, if there is a next Disgaea game, will probably be out. Still keep on going with those Disgaea games. So. 
give me your overall opinion and how well does it match up with the rest of the series and other strategy RPGs? Uh, Gameplay-wise, it's the best of Skya. Um, like I said, I'd probably trim... Uh, some systems work better than others this time around because it's, it's, it's a consistent evolution of uh, they put some systems in the game, they decide it doesn't work or it's a little bit tuned hard, and then they'll fix it for the next game. Um, but gameplay-wise, it's, it's the biggest, deepest, uh, probably the best playing this guy I've played in a while. Um, but the cast is still important to me, so I'd still probably put Disgaea four above Disgaea five. Then probably Disgaea D two. Um, then Disgaea one. Then Disgaea three. Then two. Yeah. It's a little dis. I'm actually really glad that it's on the PlayStation four because. I mean, you get a lot of the, a lot of the perks of it being on the PlayStation Four, like being able to easily share things, um, save screenshots, that kind of thing. Um, it's readily available in the PlayStation Store. I mean, you can do that in the PlayStation Three as well, but it's going to download faster. I don't know. Um, and, but it seems like the main benefit of it being on the PlayStation Four is just that it has more RAM, so there's less slowdown. But otherwise. Not that much of an upgrade from the PS3 versions, right? No, as I noted in my review, uh, for a number of the the base classes, the animation looks actually pretty much the same. Um, you can notice, uh, especially when you see the character art, um, like for conversations... Or for uh, team attacks, that they, it has character art panels. Um, that stuff is in high res. You can tell there's no aliasing or anything, but the character art itself does have aliasing, um, which makes me think that from a logistical and financial perspective, they probably just uh, copied those assets straight over from the PS3 version. Um, not surprising given that I'm guessing that their budget wasn't <laughs> wasn't that big. Um, it's an interesting decision to put it on the PlayStation 4. I, I don't know. Do you think Western audiences are butty, buttering their bread to some extent? That, that sounds dirty, but whatever. Uh, I think it's... Uh, at this point, it's probably going to be one of those games... Um, I think Nintendo said the same about Zelda... Uh, is more is more profitable on on our side. I think Disgaea may end up being one of those games uh, that is more profitable uh, for Western audiences than it is in Japan. And uh, which is interesting, given the amount of uh, localization and also voice work that goes into it, right? Yeah, um, and definitely, I think it's going to hurt them. Uh, this time around, because uh, usually what they do is they release a game, then they release the portable version uh, a while afterwards, and uh, I honestly think they'd be better off releasing the 
game and the portable version at the same time, even though I don't think they have the team size to to pull that off. Because um, uh, some people noted in, in my review in the comments that they tend to play strategy games like that on portable more than they do uh, on the TV screen. And I, I, I probably agree with that. My favorite game in the series is Disgaea 4 for for Vita. Um, just because I can play it pretty much anywhere. Uh, and it's one of those games that you want to kind of like fire up for a short amount of time and then you go, you know, make a few turns and then turn it off or whatever. It's like, I suppose sitting in front of, <laughs> this is so first world problems but sitting in front of the tv is a commitment darn it it is it is a commitment and uh like like i said like disgaea as long as i don't have a vita review game disgaea 4 vita is probably the game that i have loaded up so i literally like hit the 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 power button to bring it out of sleep and i'm in the middle of a battle usually Um, i think i think the difference now is that I, i think about the fact that I used to love playing, say, Super Robot Wars on the TV, and I like I was super excited whenever a new TV, uh, console version came out. Um, and I think it was just because there was an enormous difference once upon a time between the handheld version and the console version. We are now at a point where, yeah, the PS4 is definitely better than the Vita, but in a lot of cases, and the same could be said for Disgaea, or Super Robot Wars, um, the Vita version and the PS4 version or PS3 version usually look the same. And if it's going to look the same and there's no like really material improvement of playing it on a big TV outside of, you know, bigger, then yeah, I think portability trumps all. I'd agree. That's why I love, I, I love my Vita. Um, and I'm sad that Sony... I mean, I know why Sony is not going to <laughs> make a, a, a Vita successor, but R.I.P. Vita. But I'm I'm a little sad. I, I wish wish there was a a Vita two that would uh, put the handheld within spitting distance of a PS4. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't give up too much hope. There's always a chance that Sony decides to revisit the concept, um, if only because. While it certainly hasn't reached the heights of the PSP in Japan, um, it's still relevant over there. Yeah, so, Japan keeps it alive. At the end of the day, losing Monster Hunter was the, the nail in the coffin for that system. Yeah. It kind of made it, it took it away from must-buy status and made it, sorry to say, a second-tier handheld, which, which is really sad because I love my Vita like you do. In any case... You can find Mike's review of Disgaea 5 over on US Gamer, um, where he goes into detail on the various systems and all of that, and his overall thoughts on Disgaea 5. In the meantime, I'm going to jump into a little segment that I'm kicking off um, that I'm calling five, calling five Good Questions, in which I ask Mike five questions uh, that kind of span the RPG domain and which some quick hit topics as we wrap up this episode. And my first question for you, Mike, and this applies to Disgaea. 
you are you you kind of characterize yourself as a tactical RPG aficionado. Where does Disgaea fit in the pantheon of the tactical RPGs, in your opinion? I'm trying to figure out if nostalgia is is uh, biasing me. Because I would still put Tactics and Tactics Ogre uh, above Disgaea. Eh, even if it is, I'm, I'm going to put Tactics and Tactics Ogre uh, above Disgaea. Um, but that is my top three right there. Mm. Um, not many games uh, really... Re- try for that market and not many games that do try reach those heights so um yeah have you ever played a super robot wars game mike uh i think i played one of them Hmm. for say ds okay back in the day hmm not for very long, mostly because I, I, I can't read Japanese. You don't really need to read Japanese for those games. There's like tons of translations on the internet and that kind of thing. Yeah, so, uh, no, I haven't uh, particularly, despite enjoying uh, most of the uh, properties that feed into those games. Yeah, you're a Gundam fan. You're more of a Gundam fan than I am at this point. Yeah, no, I'm a Gundam <laughs> fan, Macross fan. Uh so yeah, no, I'm. Well, if you decide to ever give it a shot, um, I would recommend. Was it Z three for the the Vita? Pretty good, and it's pretty low impact, and it's not that hard to figure out the menus and that sort of thing. Um, there's also the OG for the PS three, gorgeous looking PS three game, very good. So, so, oh, oh, dude, that's original generation, right? Original generations, yes. OG. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Um, I, yeah, I, I generally agree with your sentiment. This guy is kind of underrated, if that's possible. Maybe because it, I don't know, maybe it just doesn't get the same love from uh, mainstream outlets as Final Fantasy Tactics, but. At least back in the day, uh, Disgaea was kind of a beloved cult classic on the PlayStation Two. Yeah, no, it's kind of uh, it's 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 like uh, say like a musician keeping old school hip hop alive when the mm. rest of the mainstream has moved on. Uh, they're very good at what they do, but uh, probably don't get as much play as they could. Uh, which is leading to their current situation. So, so question two: What's the one thing you want out of a tactical RPG? Mm, a good class system. Hmm. That's that's pretty much the the it, it's key for building a squad, and the squad is the the base of any tactical RPG. Yeah, I can see that. If you don't have a... I mean, like, kind of the heart of a tactical RPG in general, right, is working towards something. I mean, you're building up your party. 
And I mean, you want to tactical RPGs more than most genres are a grind, right? Right. And you want to give that grind meaning. And maybe the best way to give a grind meaning is to have lots of classes to unlock. Yeah. Uh, I, I like a good number of classes. Like I like, um, I was a big fan of XCOM, uh, which I just thought of. I was like, wait, totally forgot XCOM. Because uh, I, I, I was remembering um, Ghost Recon Shadow Wars for 3DS. Uh, very underrated game. <laughs> um, By Julian Gallup, yeah. who also did XCOM. Exactly. So um, that 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 was my train of thought. And then I was like, ah, XCOM. Um, and I, I really like XCOM, uh, except for the, the sanity system, uh, which just ends up burning me far too often uh, but I, I just wish that they had more more variety in the roles that your characters can play um, which XCOM 2 looks to be uh, changing up a bit and adding a little bit more to that because I'm, I'm used to like I said the, the, the tactics or the tactics ogre or the disguise where you're talking 20 plus classes uh, compared to that XCOM was a, a bit more limited. Hmm. I could see that. Yeah. Good answer. Class system. So question three, best RPG you've played in the past five years. Uh, Putting you on the spot. Uh, give me a sec. 2010. Yep. Uh, and I can't, can't, I can't do MMOs, right? No, MMOs count. Oh, MMOs count? Yeah, I'm not in the school of thought that MMOs aren't RPGs, which is stupid. Uh, because MMORPGs uh, flow pretty... But for God's sake, they're basically online versions of Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> you party up and you... You raid dungeons and all of the stuff that we love. Uh, all of, there's the stat building and the min maxing and the blah 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 and the role playing. It's an RPG. Huh. It's either going to be Mass Effect two or hmm. Final Fantasy fourteen. Interesting answers, both of them. Yeah. You really yeah. like Final Fantasy fourteen. No, it's a really great game. Yeah, you and Bob are both really into Final <laughs> Fantasy fourteen. Yeah, and see Bob Bob missed the boat, but once you jump in you're like, ah, this is actually this is actually really good. Um I wouldn't say fourteen is probably my favorite Final Fantasy game, but it's pretty up there. I think the game that comes to mind off the top of my head is probably Dark Souls. Yeah, I see. I can respect Dark Souls, but I can't play Dark Souls on a regular basis. Uh, I did Scholar of the First Sin for um, for our review, and uh, I, I can respect it. I can see it, I, I, but I can't. I cannot throw myself at a Dark Souls game like I can uh, some other titles that are more within my wheelhouse. Hmm. 
you know, I can totally see that. Um, I mean, you seem to like that more strategic mindset. Am I wrong? I do, and there's there's some of that in in Dark Souls and planning out, especially since uh, that's an animation priority game. Uh, so you can't just uh, throw yourself into it. Um, I guess for me, uh, and Bloodborne might fix this. I have a copy of Bloodborne here. I just haven't had a chance to play it. Uh, Dark Souls feels so slow. Hmm. Uh, yeah, then you're definitely gonna like Bloodborne better. Yeah, and I'm 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 used to the Devil May Cry line ah. of games where uh, those are, are not animation priority games. Those are, are input priority. So I found Dark Souls a breath of fresh air after just years and years of action developers going faster, harder, more combo-based. <laughs> to have something more deliberate and thoughtful and strategic like Dark Souls where I could really do a lot to build out my character um, was pretty awesome. So that's what that's what grabbed me about Dark Souls originally was it was slow, it, it was atmospheric, it was interesting, it was different. Oh no, Dark Souls has probably uh, the best, um, I think I said in the review, best world building mm. um, just from a visual standpoint of pretty much most of the games on the market today. Um, just when you enter certain areas and then you take in the, the vistas below, like they feel like real fantasy worlds, I guess. Uh, it, it feels like a real space that has decayed and died and fallen into disrepair. disrepair. Um, it's just like playing it, I'm just like... Uh, so slow. Hmm. <laughs> if you want a more traditional RPG uh, choice, I, I would say maybe Persona 4 Golden, which it's cheating a bit because it's a remake, but it's the definitive remake. It's the definitive port of Persona 4. It's the one it that is. you should be playing. It is. Plus, so, I love dating. I love uh, dating. You love dating. Bad dating some aspects so <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't uh all right question four and we're walking to the viper's nest now what is your definition of an rpg mm. i'm actually i i have actually over time trended towards your uh definition uh which adds uh, let's Madden be a part Madden and FIFA uh, be a part of the RPG uh, world. Uh, throw me a plot, uh, throw me a character or characters that I can mold and send in a specific chosen direction, and I think that's that's good enough for me to be an RPG, which encompasses a lot of games these days. Yeah. Uh, over um, the last generation, uh, probably the PS3. Um, in that light, you could almost say the Walking Dead's an RPG, but I got I say that you got to have you got to have skills and numbers. It can't just be a visual novel. Yeah. No, Walking Dead. I, I count those as adventure games. Mm-hmm. Um. Actually, to the point, I was talking with uh, Rowan Rowan Kaiser, who I believe has been on. Yes, he has. Um. 
and we were trying to come up with what you would call that type of adventure game because it's very much not the same type of adventure games that we used to play. No. Um, back in the day on PC. It's a visual novel. That's what it is, right? It's, I or if you want to put it, interactive television show. Yeah, or something like that. We, we, I think we almost ended up on Telltale-like or something like that. <laughs> um, because it's become a thing, like I, I'm finishing up uh, whenever it comes in, Life is Strange. And I wouldn't count that as an RPG. I count that as an adventure game. And even then, that's a very specific style of adventure game. So, um, Indeed. yeah, no, you probably need, you, you need some numbers, you need some skills and some stuff to jigger around. I do like the term telltale, like that's pretty good. Let's go, let's work hard to get that into the, the general circulation. Yeah. Get that into the, the game industry. Lexicon. The lexicon. Yeah. <laughs> and then we can say that we created it. And by we, I mean you and Rowan, but I'll take credit too, because it was on this podcast. Maybe we can be like Jeremy in creating Metroidvania. <gasps> Did he actually create that? Uh, he waffles, but that's, as far as I can tell, one of the earliest real uses of the term. He's certainly been using it for a long time. I mean, he's the first time I ever really read about the genre in depth was on his site. Yeah, even if he didn't create it, he popularized it. For sure. All right, last question. What game do you think will be the Dark Horse RPG of the Year in 2015? So I'm, I'm cutting out Fallout 4 because um, that's too easy of an answer. Dark Horse. Have we really had that many RPGs this year? Uh, we've had our share. Um, I'm... I mean, we have Bloodborne. We had Bloodborne earlier this year. Yeah. yeah. Inquisition was last year. Bloodborne. Uh, we had Etrian Odyssey Untold. Not a big Etrian Odyssey or Wizardry fan. Let, 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 let me lay this down and, and out. I dislike Wizardry style games. Hmm. And I also dislike Etrian Odyssey. Oh. So that's that's... That is one style of game that you will usually not see me play. Um, I will play the Personas and the Devil Survivors, but like Shin Megami Tensei is not really my my thing. Summer Jeremy suddenly cried out and was suddenly <laughs> silenced. I yeah. there have been a lot of ports this year. Um there was we got Divinity Original Sin coming to the the PlayStation Four this year and earlier this year, if I recall correctly, um, Devil Survivor Two made it to the 3DS, though it feels like a million years ago. You yeah. reviewed that one. Uh, yeah, no, I love uh, Devil Survivor Two because that is also you know strategy RPG. Yay! Is that a Pantheon level game for you, or is it like a is that a level below the the Final Fantasy Tactics of the world? That's a level below. Okay. I'd probably put XCOM above uh, Devil Survivor 2, or Devil Survivor. Underrated like game, though. Great game. Yeah, no, I enjoy them. But, um, For sure. I'm trying to think. Yeah, you <sighs> can speculate. Run Hong Kong. So. You can speculate, too. Speculate, speculate. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Or Pillars of Eternity. No. Ooh, no, that's a dark horse. Yeah. That's a dark horse right there. Um, and actually, I think that's my dark horse RPG of the year. I'm, I'm going to speculate. Um, no, that doesn't count for us. Fire Emblem Fate comes out in 2016 for us. Mm. Mm-hmm. Damn. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Shadowrun Hong Kong as my mm-hmm. dark horse. Uh, or Pillars of Eternity. Probably, like I said, one of the, one of the two uh, Kickstarter PC RPGs uh, is probably... Um, their top tier. Uh, not to say that that Japan is not uh, putting out some great stuff, um, but yeah, no, that's probably going to be my top tier. If you listen to if you listen to last week's episode, I think uh, Bob is probably going to call Undertale his Undertale. RPG of the yeah, year. I've heard about that, and and the ratings are really high. I just haven't played it. Uh, or seen it, or know even what it's about. So, obviously, I'm excited for uh, for Fallout Four, but I think Darkest Dungeon and Cosmic Star Heroine are very much um, on my list. Will I'm Cosmic really... Star Heroine be out this year? I think so. Um, that that was the impression that I got. I could be wrong. Um, Darkest Dungeon, I think of more. I guess I think roguelikes are separate from RPG. Yeah, I mean, it's still an RPG, but Our, uh, roguelikes have direct lineage to RPGs because yeah, they they, ca- they were born directly out of Dungeons and Dragons. So, um, I think I, I, I'm guessing that some roguelike fans would argue that they are the er example of what an RPG should be, but. Mm. I'm sure plenty of other people would argue that they don't have a story, so they can't be an RPG. Uh, and and like I'm writing for uh, our community question this week, I think Sword Coast Legends uh, yes. uh, may surprise. Yeah, you know, I have a code. I have to play it. Um, not the least because I, I, I guess I'm playing along with the developer next week. <laughs> They're really pushing it right now, so I, I should be playing it some more. Yeah, and that's that's the, the big thing about Sword Coast, is that uh, the game is built uh, so that you can uh, not only be a party, but you can also have a dungeon master. Um, because, again, it's from Wizards of the Coast, who currently own D&D, so this is sort of their best shot at digital D&D. Indeed. Well, all right. Mike Williams, thanks for coming on the show. Where can we find you? You can find me on US Gamer all the time, writing about everything. Uh, and, and he means it, too. He writes about everything. <laughs> and uh, you can also find me on Twitter, at Automatic Zen. Excellent. And, of course, we have like your 10 uh, games that you're currently reviewing that we can also look forward to. <laughs> And your weekly Comics Shockless uh, column in which you talk about comics, which I'm not a comic fan myself, but I do enjoy reading about comics, if that makes sense. Indeed, indeed. And uh, and soon, uh, due to uh, reader demand, I'm also probably going to be doing a series for people like you. Uh, story arcs that are particularly good in comics that you can pick up and trade so that... Hey, if you do like comics but you don't read them on a regular basis, 
Let me help you. Oh, that would be excellent. I would definitely look forward to reading that. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Uh, check out all of our social media channels. Follow us, like us, hug us, I don't know, um, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know it, US Gamernet. We may not have an Instagram account. I'm not sure. I don't keep track of these kinds of things. Um, and, of course, do us a favor and leave us a review over on the iTunes store. It's been a little bit since we've had our last review. Um, give us a positive rating. Spread the word. Tell your friends that, yes, uh, the spiritual successor to Act of Time Babble is here. It's called Acts of the Blood God, and we're well on, on our way. Uh, we're on our way to our first anniversary, which is kind of crazy, actually. And you're actually keeping up with the uh, with the podcasting schedule, so so I clap. I'm, I'm clapping for you. Don't ask me how I do it. I I um I I ended up missing two weeks, and that was unfortunate because um, I unfortunately we lost a lot of momentum in that time, but. That was all my fault because I recorded an episode and I believe that the person that I was interviewing, they, their, their recording did not happen. And as a result, we did not have an episode. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that I was kind of screwed on that front and we ended up missing two weeks in a row, but yeah, we're trying to keep up with it. This is a weekly podcast. And in any case, you can look forward to us being back next week to talk more RPGs. We got a lot of stuff on the docket. Uh, Jeremy is playing um, a bunch of RPGs. I've got Dragon Quest Heroes. Mike's playing a bunch of RPGs. And we got a really cool feature going up on Monday about Final Fantasy XII, which seems to be much in the news lately. So look for that on Monday morning. Until then, I've been Cat Bailey. Thanks, Mike, for joining me. It was great being here. And until next time, happy adventuring. Happy adventuring.